Hello there, and welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm your host, Sarah Buino. Today, we have a very special guest named Sarah McLaughlin. I'm gonna let her talk about, I guess, more specifically, which Sarah McLaughlin she is, and just let you be wondering for the next, like, three minutes. But Sarah's a friend of mine, and it's so funny. I was just reading over her bio to read it to you, and she put something kind of funny in here. So I'm just going to read it as is because I think it's super cute and very indicative of Sarah. So Sarah is a seeker of all things hidden. She loves turning over stones to see what is underneath, peering through the dark and getting her hands in the dirt. Just kidding. How about Sarah is a Western-trained licensed massage therapist, but is also a certified shiatsu and Thai massage practitioner. Her passion is abdominal massage and helping people reconnect to the innate wisdom of their own body. It's interesting, as I read this, Sarah and I pretty much didn't talk at all about what she actually does as a massage therapist, but I still think we had a pretty relevant and amazing conversation. So I hope you enjoy my interview with Sarah McLaughlin. Why, hello, Sarah. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Well, we were just talking briefly. We're in, I'm really bad at saying what is happening astrologically. I'm good at understanding it because I feel it. But we were basically talking about the craziness that is happening in the universe right now and how we are feeling extremely spiritually eviscerated. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the right term? (laughs) That's appropriate, I think. Yeah. Like, I'm actually feeling pretty good this morning, but overall, the general theme is, like, my guts are on my outside. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. Yeah. Do you know enough to say, like, this is what we're in right now? Like, whatever the moon and the star, I don't get it. But No, I have no idea, but it definitely feels astrological. There's nothing logical about it. (laughs) There's nothing logical about astrological. Oh, that's the fucking title of this episode. It is. It's the title. <laughs> I love how it always magically appears. So other than, you know, feeling like an open wound. Yes. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. I feel like that's a, that's most of us, actually. It feels like it's a worldwide phenomenon right now. Right. Well, that's how I think it's like astrological, because it's mm-hmm. definitely everybody I know who is like, tuned in is feeling the same way mm-hmm. which makes me feel better knowing that i'm not alone you are definitely definitely not alone mm-hmm. well let's get down to the reasons why we're here so tell us and the listeners who you are and what you do Okay, sure. My name is Sarah McLaughlin, and I am not the singer. Uh, for those of you, for those <laughs> we're of so you who are, disappointed now. <laughs> I know, right? For those of you who are even of the age where you know who she is, because the kids these days have no clue when I In say the that. They just look at me like, "What?" Of the angel. Yeah, you fly know. Away. Go on. <laughs> yes, that song was about heroin, by the way. Oh, I didn't but, realize. Okay. You know, so I'm Sarah McLaughlin, and I'm a. Uh, <laughs> Technically speaking, I'm a licensed massage therapist, but I also practice shiatsu and Thai massage. And yeah, that is what I do for a living. Yeah. And you're an avid meditator. Do you teach meditation still too? I took a step back from teaching meditation because I found in my experience teaching that I was having trouble with the fact that people really weren't 
committed to a daily practice, mm-hmm. but they wanted to have a weekly sit, which I totally am for. But, you know, it's a lot of energy to put together a weekly sit and to be there same time, same place every week. And so I just sort of took a step back from it and just to maintain my own practice and to focus on my own practice. But if anybody ever has, I really like working with beginners. So if there's Mm. ever someone who's unsure of how to begin their meditation practice, Mm. I'm very happy and very willing. I'll just sit down with you and we'll go through all the practicalities of it and some of the things that are maybe not so practical just trying to decide the how the when the where and the why and that's the group that I really like to work with I'm also spiritually inclined in my meditation practice but Mm -hmm. people who have more burning philosophical and spiritual questions as I do myself I'm not there yet this isn't the right time in my life that I Mm -hmm. feel like it's appropriate for me to work with those individuals so Mm -hmm. Well, that is really good to know, though, with beginners, because I'm doing so much else in session with my clients. I don't have time to really like teach them everything about meditation and to know yeah. that there's somebody I could hand them off to. Da, 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 da. If any clients are listening and you don't meditate daily, I'm going to send you to Sarah. <laughs> Come on over, guys. Come on over. We'll work it out. I really also just like working with one on one, the individual. I-, I love being in groups myself as a participant, but I have some things to sort out and how I feel about leading a group dynamic. So, mm-hmm. Well, I really want to hear the origin story of how you got to where you are now. <laughs> so I'm thinking back to when we first met and we met through our friend Karen Evers That's right, when yeah. probably in like what, 2002 or 2003, something. Yeah, that would be the right time. Yeah. Yeah. And were you a massage therapist at that time? No. Okay. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Then I want to hear the evolution of Sarah McLaughlin. Okay. Well, when I met you in that time period, I was really trying to force myself square peg round hole it. I was really trying hard to work in an office environment. I had Mm -hmm. just graduated from St. Louis University with a degree in public relations communications. And I really loved the schoolwork and the theory behind it. But I couldn't handle an office environment. It was not mm-hmm. my jam, like at all. And I'm so glad it's other people's jam. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God, right? Somebody's got to be know? an accountant. <laughs> no, for real. Like, yeah. Um, if I did not have people in offices to help me like function in this world, I would be much sadder. <laughs> you and me both. Amen. Thank God for my accountant. So I had such a hard time with it. And I kept con- trying to convince myself that You know, my dad was a steel worker. He probably went Mm. to school until he was about 12. And my mom was, she was a public school teacher, but she was the first person in her family to go to college. Mm -hmm. And so the aspiration of a lot of parents who come to this country and also who are just born in this country, and and they don't have that rich history of academic (laughs) education and the background in it, really want that for their kids badly. Yeah. And you embody that in a way. You either Mm -hmm. run away from it or you run toward it. And I attempted to run toward it and very quickly realized it's kind of like one of those cartoons where you see like somebody like running in place like that's (laughs) how I felt. Or like running in your dreams. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's bad. So when you met me, I had just moved to Chicago and Karen and I knew each other from doing improv together in St. Louis actually. And so we did that for a few years together. We both moved up around the same time. And where Karen is very hyper-intelligent and Mm -hmm. very good at the office life, I relied on her to help me out. So I said, (laughs) Karen, 
I really, I need to get this going. And so she hooked me up with a temp agency. Wow. And I got to tell you, so we just talked about how I'm sort of a Luddite in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. And I went to go take the test at the temp agency and I knew I was going to fail it. Like I, I was like, <laughs> oh my God, like they're going to put me on this computer. It's going to be horrible. So I literally went to the library the day before this Aww. test and I took the books, like the reference books for like windows or whatever. And I sat down wow. in Excel and I just went through them because my brain operates in a funny way, which is I can take pictures of things. So it doesn't mean I understand nice. it. I just, you know what I mean? I just right. go like, okay, check. Yeah. Well, I feel like I learned that really well. <laughs> so mm. Anyway, so that's what I did. And I passed the test with flying colors, which was great because it was, you know, I, mm. I could type very quickly. So anyway, so they gave me a temp position. So when you met me, I was very mm. unhappily probably working at a company. I think they sold private jet insurance. Like we all need that, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, mm-hmm. like John Travolta's plane. <laughs> <laughs> You know, somebody sits on your leather seats with a pen in their pocket, like, you know, there's hell to pay kind of thing. So I think that's where I was. I was also, or may have been before then when I was working under the table doing laundry at a hair salon. I was like getting (laughs) cash for doing laundry. I'm not even joking. Wow. The lives we've led. I know how to like do laundry. Wow. (laughs) So it was one of those two things. And one day, my friend who... I was doing theater with who was in a much better financial position than I was at the time, gave me a gift certificate for a massage for my birthday. And I went to go get a massage and I actually didn't like it. The first time I got a massage, I was Hmm. like, what is going on with this drape? Why is my butt hanging out? I I don't understand what's (laughs) happening. Why is this person touching me? Like Uh, what is going on? Why do people rave about this? So that was my first experience. And it would have been around the same time that I had met you. And Hmm. I think I gave it a few months and then I decided something happened with my shoulder or something. And I was like, all right, fine. I'm going to go back in. Maybe I, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe less be butt exposure this time. We'll less, see. Yes, there was. Thank God. <laughs> it turned out that the therapist just was like, hey, we're all cool here. It's California, right? And I'm like, no, it's Illinois. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. can't do that. Anyway, so I got a really great massage from this awesome therapist named Heidi at what used to be Thousand Wave Spa for women mm, on Belmont. Yeah. It was a great place. And I decided right then and there I wanted to go to massage school. So I just asked her where she went. And I kind of tucked it in the back of my head. And I really decided, and I still vividly remember this, I was going to go to work. It was like a Tuesday. It was the next week or something. And I had gotten up and my eyes started twitching because Mm. I hated, hated going into an office. Mm -hmm. And I called in sick, even though I wasn't technically what you would consider sick. I Mm -hmm. felt pretty sick. And I went to go get a cup of coffee and I started crying. I poured the poor barista. Like I just started crying in the coffee shop because I realized I would never get a cup of coffee at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday unless I lied and called in sick. Wow. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I can't do this. So then I went to the next week and rolled in massage school. That was it. There wasn't a whole lot of other thought process to it. Mm -hmm. Like I seriously just went from I don't think I can do this to this seems like a better fit. Wow. (laughs) And it was. Thank goodness. (laughs) Yeah, right. And then the evolution from going to school and then to where you are now having this really flourishing massage practice and then also, you know, your spirituality and meditation practice. Because I'm guessing if you were the type of person who wasn't even into massages, that your spirituality was not quite developed at the time either. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, absolutely not. I had grown up Catholic and that was fine. I will not disparage Catholicism on your show. Mm -hmm. 
But my dad grew up Irish Catholic and he didn't really want to take part in it. It's kind of a weird Mm. phenomenon in Ireland where it's like you do things because that's part of the social norm almost. Yep. And my mother was actually agnostic. She had grown up Protestant and Mm. my father lied to my grandmother and said, oh, she's a good Catholic girl, mom. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) And so when my grandmother met my mother, she said, oh, I like you, Francie, but please raise the children Catholic, you know, so she did it. She did it. She took me every Sunday to mass and she raised me Catholic and she attempted to not interject her Hmm. very strongly held opinions too much. So I grew up Catholic and it never, not that it didn't ever reach me in certain places, but I really was not okay with the fact that I, at one point when I was a kid, I wanted to be a priest and I found out that yeah, well, I, I think I was really into the ritual of it, yeah. and like I, Jesus was a cool dude, and both of the Marys were awesome. You know, I was like, this is great. And then I found out that women couldn't be priests, and at least at that time, I, mm-hmm. hopefully it's changing. And I was just really disheartened. Like, I wanted to be an altar boy, and at the time, now they allow altar girls, but at the time mm-hmm. they didn't. And I was so disheartened by it. So no, my spirituality was not developed. I had gone from one end of the spectrum to the other, you know, instead of embracing it, I just kind of denied it until I couldn't deny that there was something there for me. It just didn't fit into that package. Very cool. Yeah. So I kind of opened up that piece on spirituality because I feel like there is certainly a spiritual aspect to healing in general. And so I guess that kind of moves us to the question of the word healer. Does that apply to your work? If so, yes. Why? If not, let's talk about it. I struggle with that, I have to be honest, because it's a word that is, I feel like it's around a lot in the circles that I'm in and elsewhere. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes not a lot of thought is given Mm -hmm. to the definition of the word. And so when people tell me that they are a healer or when people, someone says that someone is a healer or they call me a healer or whatever, I feel like it's a little, I don't know if the word is dangerous. I feel like the word, Mm -hmm. you know, it can be a little dangerous. I really enjoyed my friend Blake, who's a brilliant Feldenkrais practitioner, said that of his teacher, his teacher used to have a picture of a magician pulling a rabbit out of a hat with like a line through it. And Blake asked him why he had it. And he said, to remind me myself that that is not what I do. Hmm. And so I feel like sometimes the definition of the word can mean, oh, do you fix everything for everyone? And that that I'm not okay with. But if you define healing as a progression, a process rather than perfection or a a fix, then yeah, I'm comfortable with that word and utilizing Mm -hmm. that word for what I feel like I do. But ultimately, the only person you can really ever heal is yourself. And if you, Mm -hmm. uh, if you keep working on that, then you will be able to allow other people to take what you have learned and Mm -hmm. to transform it into their own healing process. So yeah, I'm comfortable with that word when it's applied like that. Right, right. And I think you're exactly right about the lack of thought that can go into Mm. any label, right? Sure. The folks who I've interviewed thus far who have some sort of aversion to the word, it's always the same reason. It's always that, you know, like some people have abused that word and some people have been dangerous, you know, under the guise of being a healer. And I've been listening to this podcast lately. It might interest you. It's called 
ordinary life. Mm-hmm. And the guy is a therapist and a pastor, and he really talks a lot about spiritual wounding and how dangerous fundamentalism can be and kind of Mm. the history of fundamental religion in this country. And the thing that he said that really stuck with me was that if anybody ever tells you they have the answer, run as fast as you can. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have a magnet on my fridge that says, believe those who seek the truth and doubt those who find it. Right. So that's just the philosophy that I take for it. So I am a little cautious around the word, especially when it gets utilized by a client or someone who may be unrealistically placing my work on some Mm -hmm. sort of pedestal. Yes. So in that way, I just try to gently just sort of like bring up the topic of what healing and what a healer can be and also Mm -hmm. to the misconceptions that can go along with it. Absolutely. I think anytime I get a message from a potential client who's like, you're the one, I'm like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) I am the last one because... Yeah, because you're on a pedestal and you're not going to be able to perform because that's what they're asking you to do is to perform and to fix them. And you're right. That's not how it works. I want to blame maybe it's capitalism, but just like (sighs) this American dream bullshit that we've been Mm. fed. And now, like, I feel like we're coming to this crisis of recognition of holy shit, we have been told the wrong thing our whole lives. Yeah, I was listening to NPR this morning and I don't remember the gentleman's name, but I guess he wrote like one of the most read articles in 2016 that was titled something like you will marry the wrong person. Mm. And his whole point was basically that, you know, we've been fed this sort of idea and ideal of what romance is and, Mm -hmm. you know, the perfectionism of this relationship and, you know, and nobody Mm -hmm. can be everything to everybody. But it's a similar kind of feeling, you know, the white picket fence in the house. Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, now you talk about it and people think it's like so 1950s. But on some level, we're still trying to find it, you know. So I agree. Whenever someone contacts me as well and says, I need you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's too much. Yes, grasping. That's exactly what it is. And I see my clients do it. I see some of the people that work for me do it. And I have such a hard time. I feel like I really want to get better at being able to bridge the gap for people who don't have any knowledge about kind of because I feel like that's a really like Buddhist ideal, right? Like you're either grasping or you're in aversion. And I want to be able to bridge that gap for people and be, be able to speak to it in a way that is accessible. But at the same time, these concepts, if you haven't attempted to live that way, they are so foreign to our culture. Yeah. And just practicing it ourselves, too, because, you know, you catch mm-hmm. I mean, I catch myself doing it occasionally. Oh, yeah. Things that I'm like, whoa, calm down, Sarah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's OK. It's a really interesting phenomenon. And every single time that I have ignored my own rules about engagement mm-hmm. in that capacity, like every time I've been like, oh, it'll be OK. Just get over it. They're fine. Yeah. It has never turned out any differently. It's never been a good experience for them or for me. Right. And that's kind of one of the themes that talk about the astrology and the evisceration of what's going on Mm -hmm. right now. That's part of one of the lessons that I'm learning is that I've historically recognized maybe there's a little red flag, there's a little gut check. And then I've been like, just like you said, like, no, 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 it's going to be okay. And so many things are coming to the surface telling me that, no, this is not okay. And you have to listen or you're really going to hurt yourself. You really have to listen now. It's almost like we don't have the choice 
anymore. And that might sound doomsday-ish, but it feels freeing and it feels like growth and change, but it's also scary to not be able to rely on some of the ways that we functioned previously. Oh, absolutely. The feeling that I get from it is that this is a lesson that will not be ignored because that's what we've been doing, or at least it's what I feel like I've been doing. Yeah. Well, and fucking culturally, that's how Donald Trump is president. Let's be honest. I mean, how else do you watch? Do you have Showtime? I don't. Okay, but there's this show that Stephen Colbert produces it or whatever. I don't understand acting and all those things that go into it. But anyway, he's behind it and it's called Our Cartoon President. And the theme song, every fucking time I hear it, my husband and I just crack up. It's like, Donald Trump is the president. Donald Trump is the president. (laughs) Is Donald Trump the president? Yes, he is. And it just like keeps going on just saying that over and over. And it's like the absurdity of, you guys, Donald Trump is our fucking president. (laughs) Right, right. Even people who wanted that, I don't think expected it. Right. Yeah. Because he's a celebrity. I will say, and I'm not just saying this to say that like, oh, I totally had it nailed. I totally expected it. And the same friend we were just talking about, Karen Evers, invited Mm -hmm. me out to a bar to watch the election results the night of the election. And I said no, because Mm. I was like, I can't be in public for that mess. Like, I can't do it. I remember it happening, unfolding on the TV at home. And Karen and I were texting back and forth to each other. And I was like, Florida. And she was like, I hate Florida. Anyway, I just, I remember I went into defensive sleeping mode. My partner at the time, David, was like glued to the TV. And I said, I'm going to bed. And he said, you can't go to bed now. There's still a chance. I was like, no, I'm going to bed. Oh, I did the same. I just had to sleep. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was in denial, to be honest, because I didn't see it coming. And I think it was just because it was such an absurd idea. I was Mm. like, well, there just can't be any way. I mean, kind of just going back to (laughs) how we initially started this portion of the conversation. It's just denying what we know to be truly calling us and like yeah. asking us to step in in a different way well you can't ignore it anymore right i mean that's the thing right you know like we get very cozy and comfy if you are a liberal and listening to this if you're a liberal or progressive you get very yeah. cozy and comfy in chicago which is mm-hmm. a very easy environment if that's your leaning to be in and yep. you don't realize that that is not reality it may be your reality but it's not overall reality right so I mean, wake up calls are good. They're painful, though. You know, growth is painful. It's not comfortable. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it would be stagnation. So I feel like that's a lesson I've been called on, all of us. But I feel like for me personally, this year has all been about, one, even acknowledging what it is I actually feel about something. Because I think that for a lot of us, depending on how you grew up, it, it was not a priority to acknowledge what your truth was, what you're actually feeling. And then once you do that, actually vocalizing it, like vocalizing how you feel about something feels very dangerous to me. You know, Mm. it feels very like, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen if I tell this person the truth? Mm. And for me, my personal lesson this year has been to, first of all, realize how I feel about something, Mm. (laughs) to acknowledge it, to put a name to it, and then to be able to vocalize it like that's been a big theme for me this year and it Mm. has resulted in some pretty 
serious side effects, like the ending of long-term relationships or the, not even the ending of them, the transforming of them into something different. And yeah. I feel like it's a global theme right now, but mm-hmm. very personally and very specifically, I feel like I'm just learning. I'm 38 years old and just learning to actually, thought mm. I knew how to say how I felt, but I'm actually learning it now. It's a whole thing. Yeah. That's so interesting because growing up, I was the truth teller. That was the role in my family. So that's never been, quote unquote, my issue. It's always been finding the people that would hear me. Oh, sure. That's always been my issue. And the people that would validate that what I was saying was actually true. I feel like I spent my earlier life just feeling bad and wrong because there was this like, I was like, you guys, shit's fucked up. And everyone's like, no, it's not. Everything's perfect. Jesus is love. (laughs) It's all fine. Yeah. My experience with truth telling was that sort of like, maybe I am the crazy one. Like, but I actually kind of like fell for it. You know, like I actually like had that thing and I still do where I'm like, oh, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the crazy one. And Sometimes I am, but I'd say overwhelmingly, mm-hmm. when you have that feeling, you're probably not the crazy one. <laughs> Honestly, that has been my exact lesson this year is to recognize when I feel like the crazy one, I know in that relationship that the other person is not owning their part because I'm being asked to own something that's not mine. And so now I'm keenly aware of what that feeling is and how it's shown up in romantic relationships, business relationships, friendships all across the board. And the lesson I'm being taught right now is you don't need to tolerate that. Like there are plenty of people out there who can show up and own their piece of it. And you don't have to do that for other people anymore. My mantra has been do not be confused because I feel like there's so many things that are there to confuse us. I still get the news. I feel like I value the press and free press and media But I feel like, my goodness, the sensationalism that is involved in anything and everything is meant to be confusing. Yes. Do you ever watch the Today Show? No. Jeff Rawson is this guy who always does this scare tactic reporting, and it's always like, don't go on vacation because you're going to get murdered or like everyone's going to steal your identity. And it's like all of these fucking scary things. And I want to punch him in his stupid face because he's talking to like my mother-in-law who would freak out and like glom onto something like this and be like, see, the world's a scary place. I can't do anything. And that's so unacceptable. Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that. And I feel like people who are ingesting a lot of that, it is like ingesting a lot of fast food in a way, you know, like Mm. you are just because you're not eating it doesn't mean you're not ingesting it. Yeah, you're right. And I feel like the toxicity that it sort of creates in its aftermath is, you know, people then become confusing Mm -hmm. and confused. And so I found in a lot this year and over the last year that even just talking to people in what seems like a basic conversation that there is confusion surrounding whatever Mm. it is. So my mantra has been, do not be confused. Mm. (laughs) I get it. And I know authenticity and I know truth internally because I can feel it, even though like we were kind of talking earlier, like there is no one the truth, but there is truth in our authenticity and in others' authenticity. And like, that's the thing that I think if we're saying don't be confused, that's what you want to tap into is that internal knowing. 
Yeah, there's an internal knowing that we all possess. It's just, you know, sometimes it's difficult to get a read on it when there's all this other mm. junk in the way. Yeah, because it's like literal energetic interference. It is. And it's unhealthy to, you know, in my opinion anyway, it's unhealthy to ingest large amounts of anything, be it booze or mm-hmm. fried chicken, how much I love fried chicken, <laughs> but still. And mm-hmm. the same goes for sort of the input and intake of information and what kind and what form of information you choose to take in. Mm-hmm. So it's not that one news source is better than another. I'm sure technically we could argue about it all day, who's more mm-hmm. fair or right. whatever. But at the same time, how much news do you really need? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how much, mm-hmm. you know, of course, be well informed, but don't be well informed at the expense of your own mental and therefore your physical health because it does have a direct correlation. Oh, yes, absolutely. We've had an acupuncturist on here and all sorts of other folks talking about that mind-body connection, which is funny to even say because then that implies that there ever was a disconnection and there wasn't, but we're just whatever. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I want to make sure that we end so that you can get prepared for your session. So let's move to the question of wounded healer and how that title might sit with you. Yeah, I mean, every person who goes into a healing profession for some reason or another, I guess you could apply that term to them. And I don't think that we understand how to help someone else help themselves without having first helped ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. We hope that was a really good sigh. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah. It's an interesting way to look at it. I do have some sort of weird visceral reaction to the term wounded healer, like as Mm. if it were a badge of honor or something that people like to put on, which I think is in and of itself wounded. (laughs) Right, right. So in order to help others access whatever they need to in order to heal themselves. One does have to work on their own wounds, as it were. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need to figure out how to, quote, fix them or anything like that. But you do have to have a curiosity toward the active exploration of your own healing process Mm -hmm. in order to be able to be available for others who may need to tap into that. But, of course, not everyone can help everyone else. There are just some people whose experience is so different than mine or the manifestation of what their process is, is so different than what I have experienced in my own process that I am unable to tap into it. And they are unable to glean any information from me that would help them. Mm -hmm. That happens. But the term wounded healer, again, it's like the term healer. It's like you could sit there and nitpick it and dissect it. But Yeah, that's a thing. Wounded healer. Sure. Yeah. I'm curious if you had any like martyrdom in your family anywhere that makes that term so like, Mm. you know, the initial resistance to that wounded piece, because that's another kind of piece of me that I've been reconciling with over this period of growth and change is how much that I learned that from my mother that, you know, clinging to that. Oh, I'm such a martyr and look at all that I do for you. And you're so entitled and yeah, that in the initial 
feeling about wounded, I think, seems to be tied with that martyr piece. Oh, it's interesting because I don't really feel like I have that experience with it. In my family, it was less about martyrdom and more about let's pretend like everything's fine. Like, mm-hmm. yes, my leg is falling off, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like just straight up denial. Yeah, it's kind of like in the Holy Grail. So it's a flesh yeah, wound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that would very succinctly, in my opinion, describe my experience in my family. So not martyrdom in that way, but definitely a denial of hurt, of woundedness, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that's more my perspective on it. Makes sense. Well, Sarah, I think this has been fucking awesome. And I'm curious if there's anything that you really want to share with folks that we didn't talk about. No, guys, just keep trucking and, you know, keep having an interest in yourself and in your process. And therefore, you'll eventually find other people also have an interest. In if you actually... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking like community and connection. And I think yeah. like, we are in this, you know, we talked about kind of information overload from a news perspective, but I think we have access to everything because there are a trillion podcasts out there about spirituality and self-help and all that kind of stuff. So there's a venue for all of this right now. Oh, yeah. And I'm constantly fascinated by all of it. I think that where we're lacking as a community in the spiritual and the healing sort of arts is giving people a very real and tangible portal to Mm. get into it. You know, there's a lot of esoteric talk and a lot Mm -hmm. of ephemeral instructions. And Mm. not that they are not valuable, because I highly value all things that are mysterious, and somehow yet incredibly effective in this world. But I don't think it's ever helpful to not meet someone where they are. I was told one time by a very brilliant author and acupuncturist that he does not believe in meeting someone where they are. He believes that Hmm. unless you are above where they are or more advanced than where they are, they will not have anything to aspire to or to look up to. And I just don't buy it. (laughs) Well, he's doing it wrong because... You meet someone where they are, but that doesn't mean you don't have the experience and the knowledge that is, quote unquote, above them or whatever. And of course, yes, they aspire to that because that's where they're coming to you. But then you go to where they are and help them on the journey. That's what a fucking healer is. Well, I mean, I feel like unless you're willing to get down and dirty and in the shit with somebody, you know, you're not going to ever be able to help them know what it feels like to not be in the shit (laughs) anymore. Right. And I know from my own experience, I'm so glad that there are people who are willing to get into my shit with me and help me pull myself out of it. Yeah, that sounds like a good place to end in the shit. In the shit. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time. I really, really appreciate it. And props to you also for using Skype for the first time. Yeah. Skype itself was not very cooperative. You did it brilliantly. So good yeah, job. Yeah, it's 2018, baby. I just used Skype. Bam. Bam. <laughs> Thank you so much, dear Sarah, for being a guest on the podcast today. And as always, thanks to Andrea Clunder and Edwin Ruiz at the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, Liam O'Donnell for the album art photo, and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. For more information on Sarah McLaughlin, you can visit my website at www.headhearttherapy.com slash podcast. And you can find Conversations with the Wounded Healer on Facebook and Twitter, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, bye-bye.